This album is dedicated to all brothers and sisters. My men and my women. And your time. Put our hands together for Hip hop, hip hop. Cause who I'm talking about, y'all, is hip hop. The stories of hip hop, of rap music, are the stories of a million MCs who, inside of them, the words are coming, the words they need to make sense of the world around them. The words are witty and blunt, abstract and linear, sober and fucked up. And when we decode that torrent of words, by which I mean really listen to them with our minds and our hearts open, we can understand their world better, and ours too. It's the same world. This is Rhymes and Reasons. See, my name is Sharif Muhammad. I'm born and raised in Chicago. Hip-hop artist, beatbox, MC. I can DJ a little bit. Uh, also, I'm a poet, slam. I hate the phrase spoken word, but I'll take that too, if it pays. Well, now what Allah is saying to us is when you hate your brother, in whom pretty much would say that like even though I was raised Muslim hip-hop is probably like my religion I always think about Lupe Fiasco he was raised Orthodox Muslim me on the other hand I was raised in a nation of Islam basically it was it's an organization that's you know very controversial but at the same time like an epicenter for black conscious culture in America a lot of stuff sparked from the Nation of Islam. Uh, obviously, Minister El-Hajj Malik Shabazz, God rest his soul. Clarence 13X, God rest his soul. A lot of stuff from them ultimately helped create and spark Black Panthers and then ultimately spark, you know, the beginning of hip hop in New York and the Bronx. played a lot of different music. My dad listened to like classic rock and like blues rock and stuff. You know, my mom, she listened to like jazz and like soul and R&B. But my older brother was kind of a rebel. He went around defacing property. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of my parents were writing his name on stuff that he wasn't supposed to. He listened to this thing called rap. Uh, this thing called hip hop. And I don't think they called it hip hop back then. It was just... It was a lot of bass, a lot of drums, and a dude talking on a rhythm. I was a fiend, 
Before I became a teen, I melted microphones instead of cones and ice cream music orientated. So when hip hop was originated, fitted like pieces of puzzles, bit complicated. Cause I grab the mic and try to say yes, y'all. They try to take it and say that I'm too small. Cool, cool. Cause I don't get upset. I kick a hole in the speaker, pull a plug, then I jet. Then I back to the lab without a mic to grab. So then I add. First song I remember hearing was Microphone Fiend by Eric B. and Rakim. It was always crazy just to hear music, you know, getting played out of out of Caprice Classics driving by. You know, when you're playing outside and stuff, you're not really listening to it. But um, I remember seeing the music video, and that was kind of what set it off for me because it was this little kid at the end when, you know, the drum breakdown hit, and that's like one of my favorite, you know, just like breakdowns in any hip-hop song and he's just like busting a speaker up like just up with a bat and i was like whoa and then you know there's another song where he's like you know kick a hole in speaker not jet you know and it was like damn I mean, just thinking at four years old like you know rock him with the shit you know what I'm saying? like that just to be able to do that but then you know saying all this stuff and i didn't understand anything he was saying at this point but it was just the the rhythm and the the tapestry and the the liberation of how he was spitting it it's like man like, I don't know if I could do all that because I think that he probably used up all the words to rhyme together and you know once again being this young not really comprehending but yeah I was like man if I could ever figure that out I definitely want to do that yet our best trained best educated best equipped best prepared troops refuse to fight matter of fact it's safe to say that they would rather switch than fight so then we move up, Fight the Power, 1989, a number, another summer. I think I was like five or six, and Do the Right Thing, it just came out. A lot of crazy stuff going on. Once again, still not really being aware of what was going on outside, but knowing that, you know, it must have been rough because this music just felt rough, but it felt right, though. Hearing it played at parties and stuff and everything was cool. Everybody was having a good time. But Chuck D's voice was different, whereas Rakim's voice was, like, real smooth, but still, like, spitting, like, just hard rhymes. Chuck D was like, man, it was like he was trying to, like, shock you into into listening and then Flavor Flav being like the clown or whatever you know that was cool it was fun to look at but you know Chuck D was saying some like some real ass shit And then also he was that was probably the first time I had ever heard an artist, especially a hip hop artist, a mainstream hip hop artist, talk about Nation of Islam, namely uh, Minister Farrakhan, and endorse it, which is controversial then and is definitely controversial now. It was really cool to listen to that and then just see everybody around like just really, really liking it, really, really enjoying it. And I thought that was the norm. You know, it was like five, six years old. Been raised in Nation of Islam. We have our own elementary school, Mom's University. Chuck D came to ele- elementary school. Yeah, he came. Ice Cube came. Dougie Fresh came. Uh, Slick Rick. The older I got, the more I understood why 
but it was still it wasn't really a realization of how special it was until I got like way older but that song and then just you know the video what was happening they got dudes drilling on stage you know what I'm saying while three dudes are rapping and then the DJ looks like his name Terminator X and you know what I'm saying like he looks scary you know what I'm saying and it was just it was really cool to just to, to see that and just be like man that is is my culture all encompassing It's, it's a weird thing being being a, a, a youth from the inner city and realizing that if you can excel at this art or if you can excel at playing basketball football or something like that or you could just figure out a way to make people clap for you and get applause and get attention the world will seemingly become your oyster now you don't know the the kind that comes along with that yet you know hopefully you'll find out before it's too late but that's pretty much all you see because where you're from is pretty much i mean it's the best of times the worst of times some neighborhoods are more fucked up than others but everyone has to coexist and it's just certain things that you take for granted i didn't go to like a, a grocery store outside of aldi's until i was like maybe 19 or 20. certain things that i didn't experience until i like took the train downtown and like went to other places other than the south side. First, we were in Chatham. Then we moved to Roseland. Then we moved to around 84 from Burnham. 84 from Burnham was an interesting time. That was actually when like I started rhyming. Wherever we lived, it was always the neighborhood on the next block or like down the street. But when we moved, we was like in ground zero. It was like three gangs warring against each other for territory gang signs gang graffiti everywhere you know it was loud it's not really a place that if you're not from there you shouldn't really be there and that was when the rhymes came and that was between that and a couple other things that you know happened in my life where that was when i really turned to the notebook and was like yeah i really need to figure out a way to to compute all of this here we go yo here we go yo Tribe Called Quest scenario. It's actually where I got my rap name from. Yeah, it was from a Q-tip line where he says, you know, no one really gave a damn about the ill subliminal. Back then, my brother would like listen to, to most of his, his hip hop while he was doing chores. Like my parents would let him do that, you know, cause my pops, he was like out working. My moms didn't really care, it was cool. And so he would bump like, you know, Tribe, De La Soul. Uh, sometimes he would bump Tupac if both my parents were now like, Public Enemy or, you know what I'm saying, something a little bit more abrasive, Karis one, what have you. But Low End Theory, when he came out, he played that maybe for like six to nine months every Saturday. Like whenever I woke up, 
I expected to hear low end theory. <laughs> Just the way that the album played, you know, it was a it was a tapestry of really thought provoking lyrics while still being, you know, like catchy. The music, the way it was sampled, the samples themselves sound like a lot of stuff that, you know, my mom was listening to jazz wise. And it was like, man, I mean it just it it didn't feel the same as like regular like hip hop like by then I knew about Run DMC I knew about Curtis Blow and all of them you know just like old school type stuff and even Eric B and you know Big Daddy Kane and Karis One it didn't sound the same it was smoothed out it wasn't just about partying it was about chilling it was about really taking into account everything that was around you and putting it into perspective for yourself and ultimately for you know who was listening that album and Midnight Marauders and then when I got older listening to, to like people's instinctive travels and knowing what I was listening to you know those three albums are very very seminal and just the way that I ingest music and hip hop and the way that I like approach hip hop when I do it I have a love-hate relationship with Q-Tip, on the real. Obviously, he gave him a rap name, and then when I seen him perform, my guy Nate, uh, he told me to like go see him perform. He's like, you need to see him perform because you do a lot of stuff that I don't even think you realize that you got it from him. And I seen it, and it was like, oh shit! And he was like, he was beatboxing. He had a band. He would beatbox, and then as soon as he beatboxed, the band would play whatever he beatboxed, and he start rapping. And even the way he was rapping on stage, I was like, damn! Like this dude really did. Father, what the fuck I do? Like <laughs> it's kind of crazy, you know. And I saw the the documentary too. And on the documentary, you know, he produced like ninety percent of the music on the first three albums. Everybody thinks it was Ali Shaheed Muhammad. Like, no, that dude's a genius. But most geniuses, you know, is something off somewhere. I don't know. I think he was a little bit hard on on Fife. At the same time, I wasn't there. And also, being a part of a crew, I know that, you know, it's like dealing with your brothers. You know, you're going to be fighting in the in the backyard every once in a while for something. Back in the days when I was a teenager, before I had status and before I had a pager, you could find the abstract. Listening to hip-hop, my pops used to say it reminded him of bebop. I said, well, daddy, don't you know that things go in cycles? Way the Bobby Brown is just amping like Michael. It's all expected. Things are for the looking. If you got the money, Quest is for the booking. Come on, everybody, let's get with the fly mode. Still got room on the truck, load of black gold. Listen to the rhyme to get a mental picture of this black man, black woman picture. Why do I say that? Cause I gotta speak the truth, man. Doing what we feel for the music is the proof. And playing it on the ground, the act is so together. Gonna fly strong, you need leverage to For me, it just, whenever I hear it, whenever I see the video, I was like, what, eight at that point? But I was living vicariously through my older brother. You know, that's one thing about being a younger sibling. It's also a, a running subject within hip hop culture in general. The older brother, the younger brother, the older sibling, younger sibling, you know, inheriting whatever the older sibling does. You look at Crush Groove ultimately telling the story of Reverend Run and then Russell Simmons. Run wanted to be a rapper. Russell Simmons was, you know, a record label owner, but like an upstart, and he didn't want to sign his little brother. But his little brother ended up doing it anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he had to manage him. My older brother, he is a DJ. Goes by Sean Doe. He promotes DJs, parties, DJs, events, stuff like that. I've never really asked him for help, though. 
like I'll ask them every once in a while to like you know if I need like a DJ at an event I'll ask them like I'll pay them it's never really something like man I need you to like put me on or something like that because I never I don't want it to seem like it's nepotistic and I think that's really what like that type of relationship comes down to you never want it to seem like it's nepotistic you want it to like really be valid really be merited toward the talent and toward the art Cypress Hill, I could just kill a man. That was definitely when the darker part of my nature and my understanding of hip hop definitely came out. It's a, a crazy ass song, but it's real. It's about reasons why you know you might have to kill if you're living in a situation. That's pretty much what Be Real was writing from. You know, it's like if you' about to get your car jacked, if somebody' about to kick in your door and come take your stuff, then you have to defend yours. And it was a really, really, like, just infectious beat. DJ Muggs, he kind of stole the style from Public Enemy, Hank Shockley, you know, the Bomb Squad, and just really, really, like, looped his samples the same way, put the same type of drums, you know, like, everybody was sampling something off James Brown, you know, whether it be drums, whether it be bass line, what have you, just from, like, that time period of soul, because it went back to the original making break beats in the mid-70s, just the original loops, but it was, like, stacking loops, and really be putting a lot into them, and... I know it's just a lot of production from back then that really gets, it doesn't get enough attention that it deserves. You know, just the way they put together samples and put together break beats and just, because they didn't, I guess they didn't engineer or no engineering, like the way that, you know, most people go to school, no engineering, they just figured it out on their own and then just made the sound just from what they felt like sounded cool. It doesn't get the attention that it deserves. teenage years that's when I was in high school and I went to regular public school Morgan Park and yeah I was definitely when you know I realized that the way I was raised isn't the way that a lot of people are raised and that's when I kind of saw the difference that's when I definitely had to at least I felt like I had to once again socially assimilate in order to survive when I was young I wished that I had more of a wherewithal for standing out. I didn't want to feel like outcast. Still ended up feeling like outcast, but it's something that I wish that I'd feared a lot less. But I did a lot of rapping in high school too. A lot of writing rhymes, a lot of writing poetry. It's weird because I also had stage fright up until I was like 17 or 18. 
I was cool with performing outside in ciphers and stuff, but like getting up on stage is like, and eh, no, you know, I still was like, yeah, at some point I'm gonna start rapping and be recording songs. And I was like writing rhymes and writing the the beats that I was like the songs I would sample and all this stuff. And it was always like, yeah, when I get to this certain place, that's what I'm gonna do. And I never realized I could just start doing it then. I just didn't know where to go to do it or like didn't have the equipment. Cause I had been writing rhymes, you know, for a few years by the time I got to high school. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna do this. Like, I don't know how to make a beat, but at some point somebody's gonna make a beat for me if I don't have to make it myself. I also started listening to a lot of the stuff that like my parents were listening to because I had to find samples. But then I started listening to it just to listen to it because I also realized that the radio was just playing the same shit. Like I went through a period when I was like 11 when I would like record shit off the radio. And then after a month, I realized I could kind of predict the, the rotation of the radio and it would change every three months. That was when new singles came out. I was like, damn. You know, this shit is boring. Like in high school, I'll be listening to the police, listening to Steely Dan, listening to Led Zeppelin, you know, listening to Stevie Ray Vaughan, listening to Jimi Hendrix, my Vishnu Orchestra, Jan Hammer. It's just stuff like whatever tapes that my dad had, I would just like pop them on and put them in my like Walkman and just like walk to school and listen to them. And, you know, it would be something else. Yeah, I mean, I listened to a lot of stuff in high school. Like, I still listened to shit that was on radio and, like, still listened, looked at MTV and BET just to hear what was new, what was coming out. Still listened to, like, WGCI-type R&B. Uh, in fact, that was kind of where I learned how to write songs, just songwriting format, just where to, like, put a hook and, like, you know, how to make it catchy. And it's like where to put a refrain and a bridge and stuff. like yesterday, we used to rock the show. I laced the track, you locked the flow So far from hanging on the block for dope Notorious, they got to know that Life ain't always what it seemed to be Words can't express what you mean to me Even though you're gone, we still a team Through your family, I'll fulfill your dreams In the future, can't wait to see If you open up the gates for me Reminisce sometime, the night they took my friend Try to black it out, but it plays again When it's real, feeling's hard to conceal Can't imagine all the pain I feel Give anything to hear half a breath I know you still live in your life. That's the thing, too, with hip-hop. There's always the culture of people who actually are trying to evolve the music and the culture of people who are just trying to get paid, who are just trying to commodify it. So the commodified stuff is definitely less attention to detail, less work, what have you, and it's putting it out. And then people who are trying to promote the music are usually broke because they can't pay for the samples and they're spending all this time as opposed to worrying about themselves. And I think that's, it's, it's a weird thing. Every once in a while, you know, an album or uh, some artists come out who kind of like do a mix between both. I think the next, the next group definitely is an example of that. One for the money, yes sir, two for the show. A couple of years ago, on head, let down the low. What's the starter? Something good. Well, me and my nigga rode the martyr through the hood, just trying to find that hookup. Now every day we looked up at the ceiling, watching ceiling fans go round, trying to catch that feeling. First heard elevators, I was in a room 
Uh, this is after we moved from 84 from Burnham. And like I remember their first album, so the playlistic. And it was real cool. It sounded like West Coast stuff, but they was from the South. It's like, all right, cool. And they, they spit cool rhymes, like their style was, the delivery was real cool and it was funky. So it was like, all right, cool. Like this is, is good middle ground. Not really saying nothing, but it's cool. Elevators came out. I heard the beat drop. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I was 12. And I mean, it just, it didn't sound like anything I'd ever heard before. One for the money, yes, sir. Two for the show. A couple of years ago on Hail the Dandelow, that was the start of something good. Well, me and my niggas rode the model through the hood just trying to find that hookup. Now, every day we look up at the ceiling, watching ceiling fans go around trying to catch that and he caught it he that was his first beat that was Andre 2000's first beat i didn't know what was going on but i was like man i love this shit i mean it just it didn't sound like anything i'd ever heard it wasn't a sample it wasn't you know just some like poppy bullshit it was just it was fusion it was funk it was jazz, but I mean, but it was the, the genius of black culture and not having anything but making something out of nothing. When it happens, you know, can't nobody really deny it. Mary Baraka's first book is called Home when he went by Leroy Jones. This was sitting around my house when I was like seven, eight, nine. I used to try to pick up and read it, but everything seemed cryptic because he had taken out all the like the pronouns and like, you know, just unnecessary words like thes and ands and stuff. And those were the sentences. I didn't understand that back then. I was reading it like, what the fuck is wrong with this? Like, it's nine years old. Like, you know, this didn't make any sense. Like, whoever wrote this was high, you know, like, it was like, what the hell? But one day, when I was like 13 or 14, I was listening to, to Ghostface. I think I was listening to Iron Man. And I was reading it, and it made sense. And I was like, fuck, Ghostface is doing exactly what he's doing. He's just like taking, it's very dyslexic, is obviously very drug influenced, but it's also like taking pictures of what you see and what you can't remember and putting it on the paper and then just keeping it all, like making it real compact and making it cryptic for anybody who didn't experience it or anybody who was who wasn't for Jamie Summer got trained on the tour bus. We upgrade, swallow raw eggs. Read the label, hitting white label. Not the winner, bagel, unstable, smooth sailing. Walked in, my earth start kneeling, started stealing. I'm too ill, see what villain at the ball. They kicked up, Mac, Mac Mosin. Michael Bolton, magazine quote, I'm too potent. Louisville makes pink, kill rap. Fuck Benadryl, the violin, and now it's God sounds ill. Tremendously obnoxious, no blotches. My telephone watch, leave, bartenders, topless. Dead on the prosecutor. 
shooter, smack the juror. Me and my girl are run like Luke and Laura. We sit back home and lay now. I don't know. I think one thing with black culture, especially black culture that becomes secular, becomes, you know, popular, what have you, you always have to let the outsiders in. You always have to let the people who might not be where you're from, you have to let them know what's going on so that you can be successful. Remember, Rocket didn't give a fuck. Ghostface didn't either. They were like, no, you have to meet this where it is if you want to understand it. And I think for that, they definitely both have, you know, I mean, obviously, I mean, Rock is one of the most important writers in American history in the last 50 years, black, white, whatever. And in my opinion, Ghostface is, too, in the last 20 years. And people had to, like, really, really get to that level in order to understand that, like, this is an experience that you might not have experienced, but you might need to experience it. Come read this. Come listen to this. That was definitely a huge influence. Like, just all of that put together just in, like, me creating my style of writing and like my style like delivery and just like my approach there's some songs i write that i want everybody to understand some songs i don't some poems i want everybody to understand some poems i don't like i don't need to be charismatic with this this is some dark shit you know if you want to find out what this is you will if you don't leave it alone Back in elementary, thrived on misery Left me alone, I grew up amongst a dime breed Inside my mind, couldn't find a place to rest Until I got that thug like tatted on my chest Tell me, can you feel me? I'm not living in the past, you wanna last Speed of first to blast, remember Cato No longer with the seat the seats Call on the sirens, seen them murdered in the streets Now rest in peace, is there heaven for a G? Remember me, so many homies in the cemetery Shed so many tears Shed so many tears I'm always listening to Tupac I mean, Tupac was a fucking charismatic individual. He was a person who, he was like the black joker. Like, he just knew how to get attention. But he was scary because you knew that he actually did know the truth. Like, he actually wasn't just like some pothead idiot, you know, up rapping. Like, he actually, you know, was raised by Black Panthers and, you know, it was like, he knew some shit. But, like, that was during the East Coast, West Coast thing. And, like, everybody asked. I was like, look, I'm a Biggie fan. You know what I'm saying? Like, Pocket's cool, but he ain't writing rhymes like Biggie. And then somebody's like, well, you need to listen to this. <laughs> she had so many tears on my ears. And, like, I just, like, I walked around the parking lot of my elementary school, like, about three, four times just listening to this song over and over again. And he predicted his death. He did all of this just talking about his fears and, like, how... He looks over his shoulder and just like all of this psychological stuff that people weren't really talking about then. I mean, because at that point, gangster rap shit, it was, you know, talking about how hard you was when people you could shoot, how many drugs you could sell, how many bitches and hoes and you know what I'm saying, all of this stuff and just how to like really seem scary. But... Pac was like, no, I'm just going to tell people how I feel. Now that I'm struggling in this business by any means, label me greedy, getting green, but seldom seen. And fuck the world because I'm cursed. I'm having visions of leaving here in the hearse. God, can you feel me? Take me away from all the pressure and all the pain. Show me some happiness again. I'm going blind. I spend my time in the cell. Ain't living well. I know my destiny is hell. What did I fail? My life is in denial. And when I die, baptized in eternal fire, shed so many tears. Once again, it's something that if you can fuck with it, fuck with it. If you can't, leave it alone. You know, and he has songs where he was talking about all the other shit. But what made him different was that he showed the dark side, too. He showed the sleeping with one eye open attitude, lost and I'm weary. 
So many tears and suicidal, so please don't stand near him. My every move is a calculated step to bring me closer to embracing early death. Now there's nothing left. So many young black men who like live like this because of whatever side of the law that they're on, whatever like bullshit they're doing in their life. They're waiting for another shoe to drop. But really wanting baby so I can see the part of me that wasn't always shady. But I can't trust my lady. She's about as good as poison. Been hearing more noises. I think she's fucking more boys. I can't take no more. Falling to the floor, begging for the Lord to let me in the heaven's door. Yeah. It was just truth. And it's something that you cannot refute. God rest Tupac's soul. Now I'm lost and I'm weary. So many tears. I'm suicidal, so don't stand near me. My every move is a calculated step to bring me closer to embracing early death. Now there's nothing left. There was no mercy on the streets. I couldn't rest. I'm barely standing, about to go to pieces, screaming peace. And though my soul was deleted, I couldn't see it. I had my mind full of demons trying to break free. They planted seeds and they hatched, sparking the flame inside my brain like a match. Such a dirty game No memories Just a misery Painting a picture Of my enemies Killing me In my sleep Will I survive Till the moon And the sea the sun There's it's a lot of stuff That I like Don't listen to of his Cause I feel like Once again Him being Him being a joker He was good at being a trickster He was good at being One minute Dear mama Keep your head up Another minute How do you want it I get around You know, Everybody talks about it Personally I think of, of Pac as just really somebody who was wrestling with his own humanity, as we all do. And just because you're a famous artist don't make you infallible to that. It's certain things, like, it amazes me that he was 24 when all of that happened. I think about when I was 24, I could not have dealt with being that famous at 24. I can't even deal with being like locally somewhat unknown, you know what I'm saying, at 28. You know, let alone being that famous at 24. Like, that is a mind fuck. And he was documenting that mind fuck in his art. So, I mean, everybody who likes it, it's like looking at a car accident. You can't be like, oh, that car accident was wrong. No, it was a fucking car accident. You know what I'm saying? You the one watching it, maybe you're wrong. And But he realized that. He realized that people like to see car accidents. Stakes is high. It's one of those songs where, like, if I'm ever blessed to have children, like, that's one of the first hip hop songs I want them to hear. It's a rough song. It's quite truthful, and it it pretty much states where things still are at politically, socially, economically. But it's just cool how they hooked up the rhyme. And De La Soul, like, even though everybody always talks about Tricol Quest, De La Soul are like the real leaders of native tongues. They always been. They're like the Rolling Stones of hip-hop. That's why they haven't stopped. They've always been different. And th from the jump, they were like, all right, we can make shit that's catchy when we want to, but for the most part, we're going to be pushing the envelope. And you have to either fuck with us or leave us alone. And the beautiful thing about it is that so many people have rolled with them for the last 20, 25 years. I just saw them live last summer. One of the best shows I've ever seen. They all switched in between being DJ to performing to hyping. 
It's like, damn, <laughs> like that, that's crazy, you know, but they've been doing it for 25 years, so why not, you know what I'm saying? They were just having fun. Instamatic focal point, bringing damage to your borough, uh -huh. be some brothers from the east with the beats that be thorough, got the solar gravitation, so I'm bound to pull it. I gets down like brothers are found, ducking from bullets, uh -huh. gun control means using both hands in my land, yeah. when it's all about the cautious living, uh -huh. migrating to a higher form of consequence, compliments, uh -huh. a struggling that shouldn't be notable, man, every word I say should be a hip-hop I'm sick of bitches shaking asses I'm sick of talking about blood Sick of Versace glasses Sick of slang Sick of half-ass award shows Sick of Posse new sign my, my, my Android killer verse From Cause I One of my guys Was working security And I mean Just like Whenever I meet A MC now Who I like Looked up to as a kid I just say thank you I don't be like, man, I'll, let's have a night like, now because I know that, you know, this is saying never meet your heroes because they're going to let you down. They're human. And I would rather someone stay human so that I can stay human. And I just be like, look, thank you. And that was probably one of the best moments I've ever had as a fan. Because, I mean, that dude, like out of every MC that I know of, I mean, he's just always been like, look, this is what I do. This is how I write. You know, I'm not about like paparazzi shit. If you want to know about me, listen to my record. They don't do that many interviews. You know, they're just about the music. Keep it simple. That's how you get longevity. I don't want to live no more. Sometimes I hear death knocking at my front door. I'm living every day like a hustle. Another drug and juggle. Another day, another struggle. I don't want to live no more. Sometimes I hear death knocking at my front door. I'm living every day like a hustle. Notorious, Everyday Struggle. I guess that was like his Tupac song almost. That was like his Shed So Many Tears. And even the producer, I forgot the name of the producer, but he did a lot of stuff for Tupac and Big. You know, so it's kind of interesting that like they both were getting beats by the same producer, even though they was beefing with each other and stuff. But that beat, Everyday Struggle beat, it is one of those beats. It's almost the same way when I heard elevators but it was just the opposite spectrum like it was you know it started with this hot like this elevating melody but then he switched the pitch and it was like and it was and you can hear it switch and when you hear it switch you're like damn i thought this song was gonna be happy but then i don't want to live no more he's like oh fuck and it just comes in he just he breaks down like every reason all of this shit that's going on and it's like damn and i mean that was one of the songs where like i really understood that as a writer and as a musician how to like manipulate mood biggie was a great storyteller great lyricist but that one he just really really broke it down and was like man shit's fucked up out here like i'm about to fucking sell this rock <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it's just it's what it is i know how it feel to wake up fucked up pockets broke as hell another rock to sell yeah. People yeah. look at you like you's the user Selling drugs to all the losers Mad Buddha abuser But they don't know about the stress-filled day Baby on the way, mad bills to pay That's right, why you drink right. Tangeray So you can reminisce and wish You wasn't living so devilish Shit, I remember I was just like you Smoking blunts with my crew Flipping over yeah. 62s Cause GED wasn't B-I-G Most of the songs I have, 90 songs Is because to me that era if I hadn't really lived through the 90s and the late 80s, you know, and remembered all of that, I would not be rapping. It was just uh, the only way to, to 
survive like Reagan and Bush and Rodney King and Iraq and just crazy shit, daily and just all types of shit is 90s hip hop. It was just, it was, just, it was a beautiful thing. It was honest. Even when it wasn't honest, it was honest. Like now, there's so many rappers who like try to sound like a certain time period and stuff like that. It's like they weren't trying to sound like them. They would just do it them. And the shit was really cool. Skills ugly and crack Mac in your ear. I'm the flavor. My old bird says some of my songs sound like noise. So watch the bulls as much. They got too many white boys. A million black men walking towards one direction for show. The cream of the planet. Right after my mom passed, like day after, literally, I ended up finding an open mic called Wordplay. It was called Word Wide back then. It was Tuesday nights. I used to come and be a participant. Then I started hosting. Now I actually work for the organization that put it on young Scott Walker. It's not been working for him since like 2003. Just as a mentor slash teaching artist slash whatever is needed. And that's also enabled me to really hone my skills as a writer, as a poet, as a songwriter, as an MC. I've personally released three like independent projects, uh, one EP, one mixtape, and then one album in mixtape format. Cause I wasn't trying to like worry about legal shit as far as samples and stuff. So it's only two tracks, you have to listen to it all the way through. And then I released three projects with the crew called Tomorrow Kings. My rap name's Ilsa Blumen, if I didn't say it before. The crew, we pretty much have known each other since we all got out of high school. The thing about hip hop scene in Chicago is that you're either gonna be battling or you're gonna be going to open mics, or you're gonna be doing poetry, or you're gonna be doing like a combination of the three. All of us ran into each other constantly in the combination of the three and realized that, you know, we was the cats who we actually was cool with at when it was all said and done. You know, we'd drink with, we'd party with, sometimes we'd battle against, sometimes we'd freestyle with or against, you know, but ultimately we would have conversations outside of rapping. And so it was like, cause I think only two of us actually graduated college. A couple of us tried it, didn't really work out. And then also we was only cast that we knew who were as like dedicated to our craft. We got about three or four producers in the crew, two graph writers, a couple of breakers. Everybody writes, everybody does poetry to a certain extent. Everybody is taught at least like a workshop or a class at some point on what they do. And we really, we care about culture. We care about promoting Chicago, really elevating the art in Chicago. It's just our lifestyle. So that's why we work. Up until maybe I was 17, I thought that she would actually survive. I thought that she would just either A, just have it, or B, you know, we would find a way get her a cure rehabilitate or something like that at least i was hoping that my grandmother her mom actually still alive actually had ms longer which is even more fucked up and crazy like ever since i've been alive my grandma has been in a wheelchair so it was 
one of those things where her having MS, it was fucked up, but it wasn't surprising. But when she passed, like a maybe six months before, one of my best friends, this poet named Ugly, we both went to high school together. He came over because it was in first rap crew that we was in, crew called IMC. He wanted me to hear some beats. And he saw my mom, and he saw how sick she was, and he was like, yeah, you need to brace yourself. Because his mom had passed maybe like two years before that. She passed from cancer. And he obviously saw something similar. And, you know, at the time, you know, I wasn't doing that well in school. I was like smoking and drinking on the low, stuff like that. I think one of the things that kept me out of trouble was the idea that, you know, I had this outlet and that, you know, I'm like, man, I just got to keep pushing my art. Like, I mean, we got to make it with this shit. So, I mean, it's nothing to lose. Ultimately, I could have MS. And if I like act like shit is whatever, then that shit's gonna happen to me. I'm not gonna be able to live out my dream. So that's always been a thing that's been in the back of my head. I remember when I was like 13 or 14, my brother had got me on WVON through a friend of his just to like read some poetry. And I was like with a lot of poets who, you know, went on to go on like deaf poetry and a couple poets who like end up becoming my mentors years later. I was in a room with all of them and I'm reading like just a poem on the radio or whatever. And she got a chance to hear it. The next day she asked me like, you know, what I wanted to do. I was like, I don't know, I'm gonna keep writing. And she told me like, whatever you do, do something that you would do for free, but find a way to get paid for it and you'll always be happy. Some of the best advice I've ever gotten. Hey, yo, long I'm spinning from school. Boy, I'm tired of your shit. Black woman driving the mothership. On the company with your name in corporate. She told me I was handsome. I knew I looked funny with big lips. But that's the love she had for her son, the ninth prince. Forever you exist in my circumference. You left my brain numbers. At night, sometimes I cry. Wipe the sooty tears from my eyes of your lies. Life's no job. You caught up in the beehive. But mom, maybe since you've been gone, and nothing changed. Plus, I got a new range. I can't complain. The fake cats stay in their lane. The granddaughter and Delica is getting bigger. More figures I gotta spend on Princess Corinthia. Full of boy the older I get, the more interested I actually get in the culture of Islam. I think it's one of those things that like I'm probably maturing into is being young, you know, in this culture and just the, the lives that we lead. You have to learn that you have to tune everything out, you know, in order to be more devout, more spiritual. There's this saying when all else fails then comes Islam. A lot of people find it in jail. A lot of people find it when they're like down and out. And it's not the spooky belief that if you pray five times, your life would get better. It's the the realization that if you become disciplined to something, if you become disciplined to something worthwhile, where you realize that your life, the lives around you are worth a lot more, then you'll start doing better. You'll start doing better for yourself and doing better for the people around you. To my ox trying to stay on a dean, it gets mean, especially when you stay on the scene. And at the same time, try to stay out of trouble. But don't forget, the blessing is in the struggle. The most forgiving will forgive it if you stay repentant and hustle. Gotta stay on your salats, your sakat shakran, to my homies and my scheme. Stop for law, Allah forgive us all, but we all are Sinners. Bless us to be amongst the winners when it ends. But until then, please strengthen the mission within our hearts. All praises do to God. Hip hop matters because it's always honest and it's always from the perspective of the youth. And we need to hear honesty from the youth because 
the youth usually don't have any ulterior motives than to express what they feel in the moment. That's it. The microphone feed. The mic, the microphone feed. The mic, the microphone feed.